0: Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember to subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. This week's Fiber for Breakfast brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Wesco. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiverr for Breakfast. We're now in our 52nd and final episode of 2023. I hope that everyone has had a wonderful holiday and are ready for an amazing 2024. I can't wait. But before we kick off, I'd like to thank Wesco, the platinum sponsor of Fiverr Breakfast, and our gold sponsor, Network Connects. You know, today is the deadline for the states to submit their initial proposals to NTIA. So far, Louisiana's initial proposal has been approved and NTI has authorized the first 20% of its $1.3 billion of BEAD funding. You know, Virginia and Kansas should be next. You know, yesterday NTI released its approach to the uniform guidance in the BEAD program. In short, NTI's policy will be directionally aligned with Treasury's approach, which includes the following, providing flexibility for program income, Leveraging the efficiencies of fixed amount subgrants, enabling permissionless network upgrades, and establishing a 10-year federal interest period for broadband infrastructure projects. So we'll delve more into the details of the uniform guidance during this fiber breakfast session. You know, as we move into 2024, our first regional fiber connect workshop will be held in, on February 8th in Richmond. You know, we have an amazing lineup of speakers, including Joey Wender from Treasury. Who still has a billion dollars left to spend on broadband infrastructure from Treasury's Capital Projects Fund. Registration for Richmond is now open, so please register today as this event will sell out quickly. You can register for Richmond by going to richmond.fbaevents.org. And our upcoming workshops of the year after Richmond will be Little Rock in April, Deer Valley in June, Des Moines in September, Albuquerque in November, and of course, our big Fiber Connect 2024 conference in Nashville is July 28th to 31st. And if you thought last year was great, this year is going to be even better. And that brings us today's Fiber Breakfast session with Tom Cohen, the Fiber Broadband Association's Chief Regulatory Counsel and General Counsel and partner at Kelly Dry discuss a year in review, Washington recap. Last week on Fire for Breakfast, our guest was our favorite quantum physicist, Dr. Duncan Earl, the physicist and founder of Cubitech, who discussed the quantum technology securing critical infrastructure and sensitive data. Dr. Earl informed us that quantum computing will break our network and communications security and encryption within three to five years. An event he referred to as Q-Day, as this event, if we're not prepared, could crash global economies. You know, the quantum world is coming quickly, and only communities with fiber networks will be prepared. You know, today on Fiber for Breakfast, our guest is Tom Cohen, uh, FBA's Chief Regulatory Counsel and General Counsel, and partner at Kelly Dry, to discuss a year in review Washington recap. You know, Tom is a partner at Kelly Dry in the firm's Washington, D.C. office, and has been the Fiber Broadband Association's Chief Regulatory Counsel and General Counsel for over two decades. In private practice, he focuses on matters involving communications, including telecommunications, wireless and media, the internet, privacy and government relations. Tom has more than 30 years of experience in the communications, telecommunications industry sector, first as a government policymaker, serving for over a decade as the assistant general counsel for the legislation at the FCC, and as a senior counsel for the Senate Commerce Committee. He then founded and, was a principal in firms assessing and developing communications properties and advising businesses at kelly dry tom assists clients with a variety of aspects of communications law including federal and state administrative administrative and legislative advocacy and business related legal matters and litigation so welcome tom and for our quest- our audience type in your questions as we go because well this will be a, a, a dialogue and i'll get those questions in as we um, get to those topics. So with that, let me turn it over to Tom and Tom, let's do a kind of a, a rundown of kind of from the key agencies of you know what kind of happened this year and what you kind of think is going to be going on next year. So let's kick it off with like NTIA and what's going on with NTIA.
1: Well thanks Gary and as always great to be with you uh, and be on an uh, FC FBA webinar. Um, you know this was quite a year. We, you know, we look back and uh, th- this was sort of the setup year for NTIA and getting its money out the door. I mean, let's start with everything depended on the FCC getting the national broadband maps right. And they finally headed in that direction just about a year ago. First locations based map out there. Uh, first attempt at trying to get it cleaned up, uh, and the first maps were pretty good. But everybody was wondering would they get a lot better when they came out in May 2023, because everybody thought those were the maps that NTIA was going to use to allocate the funds for the BEAT program. And lo and behold, those maps were pretty good. NTIA used them. Uh, to allocate those funds at the end of June, and that was the key trigger. We finally had good enough maps, about 114, 115 million locations. We had a sense of some, you know, 12 million unserved, underserved locations, and on that basis, NTIA said, here are the allocations for each state and after they first allocated them they did a little bit of rejiggering over a month or so and then finalized them the end of june uh, such that as you said at the beginning today is the key date for states to submit their initial proposals this is the deadline today and so that triggered, triggered on, everything
0: on the mapping um so it looks like some states came out really good Um, and some not so good on the mapping. Is that mostly the ones, the states that did their homework and had their own maps and could challenge those uh, the fabric?
1: Um, You know, Gary, it was a combination of things as well. You know, you have on the maps two parts, the denominator, the broadband fabric, and that really much, you know, was CostQuest doing and a work in progress to try to get it right here states came in truly and tried to help get that to be more accurate then you had the data that came in the numerator from the broadband providers uh the issue there was principally those technologies that are more distance sensitive or where coverage is a little more dubious and here is where i think challengers states fcc all came together to hone it everybody recognizes there are still issues out there and certainly there were some states that were a little bit upset about the allocation saying you know you didn't get the out locations quite right the providers data was a little suspect but if you look at it as a whole that really won't move the needle all that much so generally ntia's reliance on you know what they had at the end of june is pretty good and what we're going to get is states now in the challenge process refining that
0: so now you know we were down in baton rouge our first regional fiber connect was in louisiana uh, almost two years ago and vanith and thomas and the guys there were they were dead set on being the first out of the gate, and they have accomplished that. And they're also very adamant that they're gonna build out Louisiana with fiber. Um, So is it, should everybody follow Louisiana's lead? Did they do it right?
1: I gotta tell you, uh, Louisiana's initial proposal, which I have been reading and rereading, is very sophisticated. It's got a lot of really interesting concepts in terms of uh multiple rounds in effect with references of amounts people should bid creating almost a reverse auction to drive down prices a lot, and so it's there's a lot of sophisticated aspects to it uh, that i think will maximize use of the funds and probably get fiber most everywhere One of the concerns I have, and this is on behalf of, I'll say, maximizing participation with smaller members, the best way to get providers to participate is by allowing them to choose the service areas or for a state to keep the service areas small, the project areas small, and allow providers to pick out those extremely high cost locations that may skew participation um louisiana didn't go there it looks like their sub-project areas are more comparable to census block groups and so we're going to see at some point is you know that going to shake out so that a lot of smaller providers say they just not going to fit how we're going to bid and the same thing with those extremely high cost locations So, as I say, there are some really good aspects to Louisiana, uh, some very sophisticated aspects, uh, and I I guess I'll add that extends to how they deal with the low-income issue, the affordability issue. I urge a lot of people to review it. Whether every state can do that, we're going to see.
0: Well, I'm excited for the guys in Louisiana. I mean, I've had calls with northeast louisiana where their entire parishes where they're not participating in the internet so there's a lot of work to be done there and i'm so excited they're first out of the gate
1: yeah i and i expect they will sort of lead the way you know the the issue is going to be gary that while there's a deadline for the states to come in there is no deadline for ntia to approve the proposals and there's going to be just like louisiana this with Louisiana, we've got three, four months of negotiation on what it should look like. I think we're going to have the same thing going forward in other states as well, but I think there's a fair chance that most will get approved by the end of the first quarter. If that holds, and you can approve volume one with a challenge process first, a lot of the applications then will come in at mid-year with awards being made let's say third later third quarter this year i'll
0: tell you what i've been incredibly impressed with ntia on their whole management of the bead program and their willingness to listen and make some adjustments and i also appreciate them reaching out to us on a regular basis to get our input and to give us heads up so um i couldn't be more pleased you know i mean nothing's perfect but These guys have done a really good job so far.
1: Well, and it's also, there's no model. This is first time this has sort of happened. uh, And so they're sort of feeling their way along. uh, But each time, you know, you may quibble or have differences with parts of what they're doing. But overall, they're going in the right direction. They're productive. And, you know, you talked at the beginning about the guidance that came out last night on part 200 again, a positive step saying we want providers to participate. We want to come up with rules that are manageable, but still hold everybody accountable.
0: So let's hit some of those roles. So talk a little bit about, so providing flexibility for program income, that's pretty important.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, they allow you to keep program income. Another key part is allowing uh, you to use, in a sense, your existing vendors. You're not going to have to go out with uh, a new procurement. And that will help people facilitate bidding uh, and also facilitate integrating a new project into their current networks, backhauling or something. So that makes a lot of sense. NTIA also is making sense sort of on what's known as the uh, interest period, the federal interest period, holding it at ten years, so and and other steps as well. So they really try to again balance facilitating participation with accountability.
0: Hey, let's jump to uh, Build America by America. You know, we we had Will <laughs> at our conference on unveiling the the first of that, and you know, I was with President Harris, Vice President Harris over in Wisconsin when. They made their first announcement um, with the vendors. What? Tell, tell me a little bit about what you well, think about it.
1: We're, we're waiting is where we are. The, I mean, the proposed guidance came out in August. Uh, and hats off to NTIA. Uh, Will Arbuckle and his colleagues are really trying to get it right and dig into this. Um, they sort of have honed what they're doing on fiber, and optical fiber cable. They kind of honed it on electronics, but they still had a lot of work to do on other than access electronics, enclosures, all this other, and all the other equipment. And it's just taken a bit of time to work through that all to determine what could be made here, what couldn't, and so that guidance should come out any time. I expect it, you know, probably middle of January, something like that, because again, you'll need it if you're gonna bid in Louisiana.
0: So, so just a quick summary up. of NT- NTIA, is that two thumbs up? I mean, in two years, got a whole program together, got all 56 states and territories participating. We're gonna have everybody's initial proposals in today. Um, They've already started awarding money. I mean, is that two thumbs up or?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, you let's all be realistic about this. Again, brand new program, standing it up for 50 states and what, six territories. It's it's an enormous task and they've really accomplished it, you know, in in a reasonable way. And remember, Gary, at the same time, they were had other grant programs, Middle Mile. Public-private partnership, tribal program, NTIA, as well as managing Spectrum, came out with that report recently. Uh, you know, and also AI, where they took comments and are in the midst of a report. There, it's overwhelming what they've had to do. My hats off to the uh, the leadership, uh, Mr. Davidson, uh, yeah. and all of his colleagues there you know, a very tough job and they've done it responsibly.
0: So let's move on to another successful broadband program. Um, so we're going to have Joey Winder in Richmond, great guy leading the Treasury's uh, Capital Projects Fund. So tell us about what's what, what's happening there.
1: I mean, you know, again, it's good to see adults in charge. And, right? And, and that's what Joey is. Um, He's just a person who wants to find solutions, and with the Capital Projects Fund, that's what he's done. You know, you talked about he's got a a billion left of his ten billion. Uh, By my count, and I, and I'm sure I'm off a bit. You know, he's given out for deployment projects probably about seven and a half or so billion, reaching some two million locations.
0: And I mean, they're all fiber projects. I mean, he was the first out of the gate with 100 by 100 symmetric requirements, yeah. prioritizing fiber.
1: I mean, just great work. And it's an interesting paradigm of how all of that has worked with states proposing things to him and him then working it out and negotiating, not just on deployment, but on certain digital you know, equity programs, adoption, Um, you know, a first-class job. And I'm interested in about a month to be with you all in Richmond to hear him sort of recap all he's done. It's something, you know, as we look down the road and there's going to be stuff left behind, how do we do it next time? And you certainly have to look to how the capital projects fund has worked.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, the most approachable guy in DC. I mean, just someone who really listens and uh, just a great guy and a great program. So, another two thumbs up for Capital Projects Fund, would you say?
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, yeah. And, you know, quite enthused, you know, and, and it's like on these Part 200 rules, Treasury took the lead and showed how to do it. So,
0: let's move on to Andy Burke and RUS. So, reconnect
1: well reconnect is picking up the most remote highest cost locations out there uh this year they began the year finishing up round 3 of the reconnect program and giving out money there and then you know since mid year they've given out by my count again about a billion dollars in grants and loans uh for you know projects reconnect projects i'm counting whatever you know 25 states again they're picking up the highest uh cost most difficult to serve and they're moving forward on that they're getting new money again from congress for another round to keep on filling in and bringing in almost every instance fiber to these locations
0: again these guys are building out critical infrastructure um you know our US gets it they've been building out fiber networks for years and years um looking at 100 symmetrics and none of this you know <laughs> low upstream stuff um so they they're doing it right
1: yeah i mean you know you build it once and you're done is where it is and all of these projects are going to get built You know, in two, three, four, five years. I mean, it's coming. It's not like you know, way down the road. So that's great.
0: All right, Andy, two thumbs up. Yeah. All right. So now.
1: (laughs) My problem is Gary. At some point, if I don't give two thumbs up, we're in trouble.
0: Well, we might be entering there. Let's talk about the FCC.
1: Well, let's let's talk about a couple of things. One is the FCC just announced uh, sort of the culmination of the ARDOF application review process. Uh, they, uh, you know, said, no, we're not giving money to Starlink. We're not giving money to a few others. Uh, it, they're ending up, you know, when they started, they were giving out about $9 billion or so over 10 years. It's down to 6000000000 billion. They're going to hit about 3.5 million locations, 97% of which will get gig speed service. So, you know, there's a lot of good here. Yeah, they there were definitely issues in the auction, particularly those they allowed in.
0: I mean, the so the $6 billion of good, but it was a $20.3 billion program. So we, in the process, we just lost $14 billion i'll
1: call it loss you know Gary. someone could look at it say you know it don't focus on the money focus on the locations uh they needed to get to i think additional number of locations um you know one of the problems is but if you let in participants into an auction who are not qualified uh, you, in effect, pollute the auction, the integrity of it, and bids go in the wrong direction at that point. Um, you know, that said, uh, you know, there are lessons here, potentially lessons that states could follow in the B program as they vet participants. You don't want defaults. You don't want, actually, you don't want even before that, people who come in with bids that are unrealistic. So we'll see if if states learn that lesson as they vet applicants for the BEAD program. So, art off one aspect. The other one, the big one this year, was enhanced A camp, uh, where they are giving out. And now this is, you know, roughly a billion or so a year. The these are very difficult to serve locations. They're going to get to about seven hundred thousand unserved locations and they will continue support for about 2 million locations. And so there's a lot of the traditional smaller incumbent telephone companies that have opted into this program uh and so it that looks like it's a positive program going to move forward, you know. So I'm going to give you one thumb up on Ardoff, but on ACAM, I think we can go with two.
0: Okay. I'm um, just on RDOF. Um, my old buddy, Mike, is asking, you know, what about the other money from RDOF? So that's not that's gone, right? I mean, no, we didn't it's, collect it in USF. It's
1: it's... Gone. You know, where we are on universal service sort of support deployment programs is one, there's a proceeding to see if in the very highest cost areas, the program should support um, operational expenses. And that, it's unclear where the FCC is going to go there, but they're looking at it. My sense is where the FCC is going to be is once all this other money that we've talked about has gone out the door, the FCC then can use universal service to come back and say, so what's left? Yeah. Um, Particularly what's left to get fiber at that point. So, You know, Gary, you and I will still be around, whatever, five, six, seven years doing this, so I'm not worried, Uh, but that's where probably that money will go at that point. And just to,
0: Mike had a follow-up question on using the remaining ARDOF funds for ACP. Again, that money wasn't collected from USF, so there is no money, but ACP is definitely something we've been working on to get funded, right?
1: Well, the... I, I don't see that happening. The you know the issue ACP in a sense was sort of a COVID-linked program. Uh, Congress appropriated the money. It did not come out of universal service at all. Uh, as we've been discussing, it's going to run out of money uh, April of, of next year, uh, and so Congress needs to step up, and we have been urging it to do so. Uh, It's not going to be easy given the budget concerns raised by Republicans as well as the concerns Republicans have raised about sort of waste, fraud, and abuse. So it's still to come. Now, the larger issue is over the long term, what do you do with Lifeline, which is part of universal service, and can you rejigger it? to include something more ACP-like. In theory, maybe, but you really need to deal with the USF contributions issue. And while everyone talks about it, we are nowhere near a solution. Hey, Tom,
0: we're going to run out of time. So this hit um, (laughs) our favorite topic, uh, open internet proceeding, and then kind of close with the big things for next year.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is what's teed up The FCC wants to reinstitute uh, Title II regulation of broadband. Um, And yes, Gary, two thumbs down. The question is, is why? I mean, we focus on solutions. What's the problem you're solving? Overall, broadband in America is an incredibly good story. If you look at um, investment, competition, prices, you know, and also just look at the incentives of broadband providers. Uh, Not only, I mean, a high fixed cost business, low marginal cost, subject to competition. You don't want to lose customers. You want to give them a great broadband experience, particularly over fiber is the way to do it. You do that. FCC, what are you solving? Why are you in a sense creating regulatory friction and what's noteworthy in this proposal is there's no benefit cost analysis to even look at that but you know in washington gary the commodity is votes and they got three votes and so right now i expect it happening let's say towards mid-year it's unfortunate you know I, i will say something quickly because it's about our friend Joanne Hovis and what she talked about, about at our premier members meeting about Memphis. If you're really concerned about helping these areas that really need fiber, there are good ways to solve it. And She pointed to Memphis in order to do that. Other than that, there are no failures out in the market. So again, let's solve problems rather than creating them.
0: Yep. Like you said, you got to go and you got the votes, regardless whether it makes any sense or not. Uh, All right. So real quick, what's the big things in 2024 that everybody be looking
1: for? Well, again, bead. bead, 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 bead applications. First challenge processes in the first half of the year, followed by applications and awards. I mean, it is a bead year. Yes. Joey Wenders will have some cleaning up to do, you know, over at, at the capital projects. But that's it there. And then you've got, um, you know, these regulatory issues at the FCC that are going to take our time.
0: So Steve was asking, what uh, at what meeting will they adopt the, the uh, net neutrality order? March, oh, April, uh, May?
1: I, yeah I think, you know, my guess is May, June something like that is when they're going to do it. And then we're all off the court. It's just unfortunate. You know, Gary, you know, you introduced me as someone in a law firm, and I know we deal with litigation, but I always advise against it. And these approaches, what the FCC is doing with open internet, what they just did with discrimination, these are litigation-based approaches to policy. That's not how you solve a problem
0: also when you have such a robust uh, capital infusion, you know we're at the, the largest investment cycle in history in fiber, why would you throw a bucket of cold water on it, right?
1: right. I mean, you know, the key is entry. You want people to enter this business and build and compete. And those who get harmed most by regulation are not the real big guys. You know, they can withstand it. The, it's the little guys who are pushing the edges, and that's that's really bad.
0: Yeah. Well, Tom, thank you for everything you do for the Fiber Broadband Association and in our industry, and really thank you for sharing your expertise and insights on the activities and proceedings at some of the key agencies in Washington. You know, so I look forward to next week um, when we get back together. We're going to be talking with um, the sorry, the Wi-Fi Alliance on wi-fi 7 plus fiber delivering next generation of home connectivity so if you're interested in what's going to be going on in the home and wi-fi 7 please join us next wednesday so thanks everyone i hope you guys have a happy new year